You might not have put two and two together or realize that this podcast, it's actually produced by a nonprofit, listener-supported Wyoming Public Media. We're just a little old station housed in a basement on the beautiful University of Wyoming campus. We aren't getting paid big bucks as a for-profit business. No siree, we're making this podcast not for money, but because everyone on our team believes in what we do, telling the missing stories of the real American West. But that means we rely on people like you. If you make sure to download every episode as soon as it comes out, or have been telling all your friends what a big Modern West fan you are, or would be seriously bummed if we disappeared from your feed, If all that describes you, I wonder if you'd take a quick minute to do something for me. Get into your browser and search for themodernwest.org and find the donate button. It doesn't matter how much you commit to, $5 or $100. It just matters that you show us that you want us to keep telling these stories. My recommendation? Pause this episode and do it real quick before you forget at themodernwest.org. In the depths of winter, I make the one-hour trip over the mountains to Walden to visit my parents. We're celebrating because they've both received their COVID vaccine. But over the long year of quarantining, my mom, Carol, hoped that the isolation might compel my dad to move to their new house in Laramie, the one right next door to my house. He could see his granddaughters more often, we all told him. But he was skeptical. So my mom tried luring him to the big city, hear those air quotes, by using all sorts of stratagems. A chair, just like his chair here, so that he would feel like he was at home. And I got a piano. And I had some some people deliver it, and then I paid some guy to come and uh, tune it so that it would be really a good piano for him, and he'd be really happy about the piano. Yeah, and I arranged that whole side of the sunroom so that it would be his little cozy nook, sort of like his office here. So there's a piano there, there's a desk for his computer, there's the, the record player, there yeah, and all of his player. records on a well the record player was for her she's you know she bought she bought all these big band stuff you know <laughs> no but all the blues song, uh, blues records are there she tried just about everything For my mom, the decline of Walden has been too hard to bear. She spent years trying to save it, to no avail. Now, she believes staying in a dying town is contributing to some of her health problems. For several years, she kept collapsing with this dizziness and chest pain, throwing up, wild swings of blood pressure. The local ambulance rushed her to hospitals in distant cities a bunch of times. Once, she was even flight for life But now she thinks those events were severe panic attacks, resulting from depression. My mom wants to move away, even if it means shrinking the town by another two people. But my dad, Jay, well... He said he couldn't sleep very well there, so uh, 
and so the bed was too small, or he didn't like the bed. Well, I mean, it was plus, a brand new queen size bed. Right, but it didn't fit your two new dogs. No, it didn't fit our, fit our puppies. No, it, it was, and we you had, know, I mean, when so you go from- So I got from, a king size bed. And when you, you go from, from one bed and from one situation to another, you know, you have trouble. I go up there and I have trouble getting to sleep. You know, it's just something, but it's much better um, now with a bigger bed and, and <coughs> the dogs really help, of course, too. Yeah, well, <laughs> and you got the dogs. The dogs were part of this whole equation, too. Why did you get puppies for him? So he wouldn't be lonely here when I'm up there. <laughs> so is that They're a sign for him? So is that a sign that you've just given up and you and you assume that he's never going to make it to moving up there full time? No, but I, you know, I, I, it's that's not a sign that I'm giving up, because <laughs> I assume that he will eventually move up there when he can't even walk. What's gonna? Yeah, uh, what you know? <laughs> when, when he's so <laughs> decrepit that he can't do anything and he's not going to go hiking and stuff and so our you know our handyman guy chad he we were working on the on the front porch and he asked me and he asked me when i was going to move up there and i said i'm going to move up here when they wheel me in yeah he said i'll build you a ramp <laughs> <laughs> nope a even a year of pandemic couldn't drive my dad away from the town he loves in fact there's a lot about the craziness of 2020 that entrenched him even deeper. From Wyoming Public Media and PRX, this is The Modern West, exploring the evolving identity of the American West. I'm Melody Edwards. Walden isn't terribly strict about the social distancing and the masks. The virus was late arriving here and quick to depart, but still. Has it felt safe, though, just like going around doing stuff, like yeah. people wearing masks and everything? Uh, not so much. I went to band practice yesterday, and there are four of us, and I forgot mine. I would have worn it, but I, it, it was in the car. I could have gone out and got a neckerchief thing, you know. That was kind of different for me. I, I, I always, if I go in a business, wherever I go, I, when I go to Gabby's, no, I don't wear one there. But he says he doesn't really go to his Vietnam vet friend Gabby's house much. Mostly he stays home. And all that staying home has been rough on my mom. She's always been an active person. Before the pandemic, she had just started going to Tai Chi and line dancing classes and joined a writing group. But all those things started to feel not so safe. So she reluctantly spent more time in Walden with my dad. To her, there's lots of negatives about living in a struggling town. But there was one big benefit, getting the vaccine. was really easy. I mean, I saw it in the in the paper and called them up and got in. There wasn't even a line of people. <laughs> we yeah, walked maybe. in to where they were given the shot and there were some people there, a couple there, sitting in a chair outside in the room where they were given the shot and waiting their 15 minutes. Waiting their 15 minutes. They weren't waiting to get the shot. They were waiting their 15 minutes because they had just gotten their shot. There was nobody in line. 
and Becky gave us a cup of coffee, and it was pretty good coffee too. <laughs> I was happy about that. I asked her if it was. She said, "You want some coffee?" And I said, "Well, is it any good?" <laughs> <laughs> My mom is a serious coffee snob. It is a fact. But she tries not to be a snob when it comes to handling the less-than-perfect virus response of her town. I always have a, a mask in my pocket, my coat pocket. And so I always wear one. But I was in Supers the other day, and there, was, there were people in there. I didn't know who they were. I didn't recognize them. And there were people in there that weren't wearing a mask. And I thought, I should attack them. <laughs> I did. I thought, what, you know, what, what kind of mentality is that, you know, that would make you do that kind of thing? I mean, I didn't think I should attack them, but I thought that's what people do. They see somebody in the store, grocery store, and they're not wearing a mask, and they just start, get in their face and just get yelling at them, yelling at them pushing them around and stuff. Yeah. And I thought, I can't imagine doing that. For my parents, coexisting with people who disagree with you has become a way of life. My parents are two of only about 200 Democrats in the county. The other 800 are Republicans. Part of that is about how America is undergoing the great sorting of America, surrounding ourselves with people we agree with. But my parents have done the exact opposite. Maybe you're thinking, well, they must have to keep a zipped lip all the time. But a contraire, they aren't quiet about their opinions at all. Take my dad. In the last few weeks, he's been having a very, mm, let's say, passionate reaction to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. So I, I got online and I went to Wikipedia and I got a copy of the um, 25th Amendment. That's the part of the U.S. Constitution that says if the president is unable to do his job, the vice president can step in as acting president. My dad felt that's what Mike Pence should have done because Donald Trump incited a riot. So my dad started delivering these copies around Walden and pinning them up everywhere. He took some to the hardware store, the police station. But then the next stop was at the uh, post office. I went in the post office and the postmistress there, I asked her if I could put it up. And she, she was a little hesitant. She kind of looked at it, and then she kind of realized that it was actually only the text, only just a copy of the 25th Amendment. And I, <laughs> she had, when she hesitated, I said, it, it does say United States Postal Service on your jersey there, <laughs> you know, to try to you know, yeah. emphasize things. Anyway, so she, yeah, she said no. She looked out and she said, yeah, this is fine. And I, I said, I'll go, and she said, no, here, I'll make a copy and I'll go put, I'll go put it up. So I didn't, you know, I haven't been back to look. Okay, so the next thing I was going to go to Gabby's, well, I went to the, I went to the um, uh, city hall because I thought I could put one up there. <coughs> and, <laughs> and while I was at city hall, the mayor was there. Well, the mayor used to own the, the newspaper, and through this whole fall and summer, he's had a Trump poster 
in the window of the old newspaper shop, and it's bothered me the whole time. So previous to all of this, I had gone with some big red duct tape and made a big X over the, on the glass over the poster, which was actually inside. Uh -huh. And so, and I signed my name to it. I, I just said, J. Edwards did this. So when I went in there, I, you know, and I asked, uh, and Jim was there, you know, the mayor, Jim Dustin was there, and so um, he, he said, he said that he commented on what I had done, and he said that I was the only vandal he ever knew of that signed his work. <laughs> Which, which is, so he, he wasn't angry about this. No, no, I not he didn't seem to be angry at all. But you know, sign, he took the Trump and sign he did down. had taken the Trump sign down almost oh, really? immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, um, the day that we got our shots, uh, it was the day I put it up earlier in the day. And on the way back from getting our shots, we drove past it, and I saw that it was all all down. So my dad succeeded in removing one Trump sign of many in Walden. But still, my dad felt the need to keep trying to persuade his community to rethink what the Capitol riot meant. More on his one-man efforts after this break. If you are liking what you're hearing, and actually, hey, even if you don't, we would love to hear about it. Take a moment right now to leave a rating or review on your podcast app. It'll help new listeners discover the modern West so that we can keep bringing you stories about the evolving identity of the American West. Hey, thanks, y'all. The next thing my dad did was write a letter to the editor of the Jackson County Star. That's Matt Schuler who we met back in episode 10, an old classmate of mine. Yeah. Um, well, so can you, can you read just a little bit of, of your letter? Um, I'll just start at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I'm Antifa. Notice the small letters. I'm 76. I never graduated. I worked in sawmills, as a logger, as a roughneck on a drilling rig, and as a shop floor machinist making mil-spec parts. Mil-spec is military spec. We own some businesses. I should be a Trump fan, but I'm a blue-collar Democrat. We have a TV package with local news. MSNBC is I gotta be honest, that letter freaked me out, TV especially that first sentence. To call himself Antifa in a town like Walden? Yikes! I mean, when a family friend came to visit during the election last fall. You know, he was in town with some friends probably back during the summer, and he said his friend had to comment on all the Trump signs in Walden. We were just plastered, you know. I had to go way out of my way to get a Biden, a few Biden signs. But my dad does have Biden signs in his yard and bumper stickers on his cars. And never once have they been vandalized, not even in retaliation by Mayor Jim Dustin. So you published this letter, and I was very frightened about it because of the first 
sentence in which you call yourself Antifa. And uh, I just want to know what the reaction of the town has been. I haven't had a reaction. I don't get out of the house. The only reaction <laughs> I have was from the guy who wrote uh, a reply to my letter. And he just went, uh, he just went MAGA points, da 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 you know. I asked my dad to read a bit from that guy's response letter. I had considered subscribing to your paper after I moved to Jackson County in 2019, but now I will not waste my money on your rag. Well, <sighs> that's kind of insulting to, to Matt. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can see he's, you know, he has a right to be insulting to me. But sort of the uh, letters to the editor are just letters to the editor, and the editor is not, by printing them, they are, he's not approving or disapproving. That, and right. that's just, that's a, an American tradition. That's, you know? that, yeah, that's what you do. That's what, that, the newspapers are supposed to do that, mm -hmm. right? You're not, they don't, uh, he, he, I don't know, I still don't know exactly where Matt stands on all this. And I, you know, did I tell you that I that I uh, I texted Matt and said, "What do you think about my dad putting this letter in the in the paper?" Yeah. And he wrote, he texted me back, and he said, "I think that he makes some good points that the community needs to hear." Yeah. I was nervous that my dad would get more blowback than just that one response letter, but then in the next week's paper, two more letters of response appeared. And I had a couple of people come to my defense. One was, was uh, Helen Williams, who was, who was actually uh, Governor Roy Romer's uh, chief of staff. So she's a Democrat. And then another person I know, um, who I think is Republican, but I'm not real sure, but he came strongly to my defense as well. And, and so there's, there's a variety of people's opinions in your community. It, it's not just across the board, Trump supporters there's a lot of diversity of opinion. There's diversity of opinion, yeah. Even yeah, in a no, small I, town. You know, he was, he's not a Trump supporter, uh, but nor was he a, nor is he a, uh, was he a, a Bill and Hillary, Hill and Billary, as I like to say, supporter. In fact, not at all. You people know, I mean, are, I think people are thinking, you know, that don't live in small towns, that everybody who's in a small town is a Trump supporter, and that's just not true. No, it's not. But in our town, it's true, sort of. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's very, very, very lopsided. What, what would it be? I don't know. It's a four to one or something. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, do you think that there's a way for Trump supporters and non-Trump supporters to communicate and to get past this? And, and like, yeah, is there... write a letter to the editor. Because, and that's, that was kind of my point. Write a letter to the editor and have someone else besides me or someone... Criticize your letter. My dad's letter sparked a community conversation. And let me just say it one more time. That's why every town needs a healthy newspaper. He wrote a second letter, a rebuttal. And since the flurry of letters were published, no one has confronted my dad on the street, not even his own friends, who are almost entirely conservative. I haven't really talked to anything, anybody about, about the politics here, you know, the... Uh, you know, Gabby up. and yeah, Gabby and I. You know, we have talked politics, and his is way different than mine. And you know, um, and I forget. Oh, I think it was back during the impeachment thing. He, he was holding his head and his, you know, sitting down, holding his head and 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 complaining about how our beloved president was being treated. You know, and you, you know, I didn't gasp exactly, but I did take a deep breath and. 
step back a pace, you know, you just, you just go, beloved president, <laughs> you know. But that's the fact. There are half the people think that. So, and half the people still think that, I think. You I mean in our country or In or our here? country. How many? Well, it's, it's enormous here. I mean, it's, this is totally uh, Republican and, and Trump, Trump, supporting. Trump supporting here. Yeah, yeah. It, totally. You know, so I, so I, I got to ask then, why not move to nice liberal Laramie where you could be surrounded by people? Because you can't get anything you. done. Actually, Laramie isn't that liberal. It's about half and half, but compared to Walden. I, I guess I think you can't sit on your ass. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a good time to sit on your ass. And so it, if you were in Laramie, you wouldn't have opportunities like that to have those kind of conversations where oh, you yeah, might be able to. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be, be able inside. to because I wouldn't know people. Right. There wouldn't be anybody that I would know. You know, I wouldn't run into John, mm-hmm. you know, and I wouldn't run into Jim Dustin, and I wouldn't run into, you know, the people that I run into. You know, my friends here, particularly the male friends there, Republicans at least. You know, I don't know what Gabby thinks. I don't know, and I'm not going to ask particularly. I don't, you know, he has health issues so that I don't want to open up cans of worms. So, and for the most part, you guys just kind of steer clear of these conversations. I can't say we steer clear exactly. We kind of know where each other stand, and it's kind of, you know, we have other things to talk about and other things to discuss, you know. Talking to my dad, I realized something that he wouldn't put in so many words. After four decades in this tiny town, he's found himself in a very unique position. He has the trust of the community. He can put big X's on people's political signs and sign his name and have a good laugh afterwards. He's in a place to do something rare in our country right now. Speak his mind and be heard. He wasn't elected to this position. He wasn't appointed. But if he left, there'd be a hole in the spot where he used to hold his ground. As small towns shrink, lots of these holes are forming in communities. People who once voiced differing opinions on hard subjects, now they're gone. Small towns need those voices now more than ever. And so my dad, I can't blame him for resisting a move to a bigger, more liberal town. There, his voice isn't as needed. I don't have a big interest in moving there. I don't have, as a, you know, personally, to have things to do, to get up in the morning and go, okay, I'm going to fill in the blank. Well, it is a blank. Mm-hmm. You know, I did, there's just not, you know... see what he's like. You know, I mean, your your dad doesn't adjust to change that well. I mean, he just doesn't. To me, I need the change, you know, because I didn't adjust apparently to that change where, where I wasn't working and I was just hit at home and, and, and Walden had... You didn't had, retire well. No, I didn't retire well and Walden doesn't have that much to offer anymore too. I mean, I had... I ran a, the fly shop and I ran the cowdery store and I was really busy and there were things to do and it, w- it was happening, you know, and so... You had a lot of big ideas and you were always working on big projects and applying yeah. for grants yeah. and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, 
but um, now there's just nothing here. You know, I it just I mean, it, there's nothing here, really. It's narrowed. So there's this big tug of war going on. My dad can't leave because he feels this deep commitment to his community, and he wants to keep fighting for it. But my mom wants to give up that fight because she feels it put her health at risk. The reason my parents decided to buy the house in Laramie was so she'd be closer to a hospital. I mean, her health problems are a big mystery. None of her specialists can figure out why she keeps having these scary events. But recently, her doctor in Walden, Lynette Telk, prescribed some anti-anxiety medicine. My mom tried all kinds of meds to address her symptoms. But this one finally worked. Maybe because it finally got at the root problem. But she wonders if she moved to the city, maybe she could get off them. Well, I would just as soon not be in that state of mind where I have to take something so that I don't get anxiety about and depressed about my situation, but myself, you know, my self-image, which is, was the problem. My self-image just was hit rock bottom because I wasn't doing anything here. There was nothing to do here in Walden. There are things to do in Laramie, and, and I, I and it feel, makes you feel po- better positive. About- yeah, it right. makes me feel like better about myself, and it makes me feel positive about, you know, possibilities. And so you're, you're thinking that at some point, if you were living there more regularly, that maybe yeah. you would be able to go off the anxiety. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Because I, you know, I was taking classes, you know, there's a, there's a lot of classes. I had walked to groups, you know, I was writing. So yeah, my mom wants to walk away from this town and its despair. But even for her, something holds her back. <coughs> Although I like this place, so... Yeah. I don't. I won't. I don't want to sell it. That would just be the very thought of selling our home here, is really now talk about depressing. You know, no, I'm not going to do it. My mom's ideal dream is to live full time in Laramie, but keep her house in Walden and spend part of the year here. She has hopes that someday this town will come back to life. This Christmas, she was happy to see Jim Moore, the wealthy Oklahoman that bought up most of Main Street, decorate all his buildings for the holiday. He opened the old auto shop as an indoor Christmas market and filled the downtown with lights and music. Are, are you feeling like you have a little more hope that he's going to be able to make up for being gone for a decade and a half? Yeah, I do. I, I think so, yeah. It may be too little too late, but maybe not. You know, things check, turn around. I mean, places, towns that have just, you know, were nothing but boarded up buildings, then... People will come, somebody comes in, and a bunch of people start moving in and, and buying up these old derelict buildings and fixing them up. You know, I mean, that happens. I asked my parents what their plan is for the future. They say they don't have a plan. It's like this town is a member of our family, unemployed, struggling with substance abuse, unlovable to the rest of the world, but still part of our family. My mom can't sever ties here any more than my dad in a lot of ways. For instance, my mom hasn't found a new doctor in Laramie. She still goes to Lynette. She's always going to be my doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Lynette is my doctor. (laughs) On a first name basis. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I've known her since she was a little kid. Yeah. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Dr. Telk, you know, when, <laughs> and this somebody that you knew when they were in elementary school. Yeah. So it just seems like you're not, you're not totally, because my dad refuses to leave, you're sort of got one foot in the city and one foot in, in Malden still. Yeah. Most well, the, the problem with that is, you know, Walden is our home and our house in Walden. I mean, when we bought it, you said, this is your ideal place. And, it, and, and that's true. That was our ideal place, you know. What's so great about it? Well, really, the, the building itself is just a double-wide trailer. But, but you sit, you know, you can sit there in the living room and you look out the living room window and there's nothing in front of our house. We're on a hill and we look out across a meadow we look out across a river, and we look out across a lake and toward all the, the western mountains. I mean, that's what—that's our view. So It's all about the view. It is about the view. So here we are, back again to the intrinsic value of a beautiful view. You can't eat the view, but you can't live without it, my dad once said, and maybe it's the same for the intrinsic value of a hometown. Towns like Walden, okay, maybe they don't mean much in the great big scheme of things. Maybe Walden does deserve to die. I can't say. how I feel when I stand in my parents' front yard, a circle of mountain ranges all around, a neighbor driving by with a wave, red-winged blackbirds making a racket about the arrival of spring. It's home, that's all. It's home. Well, folks, that's a wrap on our ghost towning series. But we do have a bonus episode coming up. We've gotten so much great feedback and so many great stories from y'all that we're going to weave it together so that you can hear it. He couldn't get in because, you know, the restrictions were so tight on immigration because of these laws. And eventually he got in on like the eighth try. But, you know, he had to leave my dad and my grandma behind in Taiwan. Join us for that epilogue to our series. I'm Melody Edwards. Our story editor is Aaron Jones. Anna Rader is our digital producer. Our theme song is by Screen Door Porch. The Modern West is a production of PRX and Wyoming Public Media. One of our goals is to get a dialogue flowing about the stories that we're telling. We're hoping that you'll join the conversation. 
So connect with us on social media and let us know what your thoughts are, whether you agree with what you're hearing or not. We're at Modern West Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's Modern West Pod.